This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Mira Atkins, Regional Medical Director for Oscar Health. Dr. Atkins, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Laura. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, so many exciting things happening in the healthcare space, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I am a board-certified OBGYN, and I practiced for many years before entering the insurance space. To be honest, I never thought that I would be in the insurance space, but it's a great place to be. It really allows you to see both provider and patient points of view. Got it. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's so um, such a great perspective to have and really make a difference on healthcare and access to care. Now, could you tell us a little bit about your career journey and how you ended up at Oscar Health? Yeah. So after uh, practicing for about 14 or 15 years, um, one of the hospitals that I was practicing at went through a merger. And um, the merger was a little bit clunky. And I noticed that we needed more physician leadership. So of course, what did I do? I went and I got my MBA. Um, And during my MBA studies, um, I realized that there is so much that physicians could really influence. Um, And one of the big spaces was insurance. So um, lo lo and behold, armed with my MBA, I went and I entered the insurance industry. Um, I first started out working for a big payer, just really understanding what health insurance is all about. Um, I was young and lucky to not have really needed health insurance. Um, I saw it from the provider side, um, but this really gave me kind of the insurance and the member outlook. Um, And then gradually moved into Oscar, um, which is a really different type of insurance company. Um, They have a full stack technology platform, and the goal is really to be disrupting healthcare to make it better. That's amazing to hear. Now, what are some of the big trends that you're following most closely in healthcare today? So today, I think uh, we're so much more consumer-centric now. Um, I think online shopping has really spoiled us. Amazon has spoiled us. And our healthcare consumers are so much more savvy and educated than they were just in decades past. Um, The pandemic, I think, has really accelerated a lot of different trends, and most of them I see are really patient-centered. So take telemedicine and remote monitoring. Um, Certainly, those were accelerated by the pandemic. I think I've seen statistics that have shown that our use of telemedicine increased about 7,000% during the pandemic. Um, And I think that both patients and providers found that they're really loving its convenience. So that did a lot to build trust. Um, And so I think the fast follow that I'm seeing is there's more hardware and remote monitoring taking place, which allows us to have more and more care delivered at home, not just the physician visits, but therapies and urgent care and hospital at home. So that's a trend that I'm looking at. Um, 
data utilization and personalization, um, I think we're really starting to unlock uh, the utilization of our data and we're using it so much more strategically than we have in the past. We're able to identify trends faster. We're using machine learning and predictive modeling to help us understand who's at risk for a poor outcome. Um, and so we can actually intervene and mitigate that risk. Um, and beyond that, I think we're looking more closely at demographics like race and language and ethnicity of both members and our providers and how that contributes to outcomes. Um, that's really, I think, in the earlier stages, but we will con definitely continue to watch us and see it grow. So all of this information really helps us to better engage our patients and empower them to make better health choices. And finally, the trend, these are two, the, the two trends that I mentioned earlier are really um, kind of innovative, fun trends, but I do see a trend that's much more concerning um, and one I know that we're all aware of, and that's provider burnout. It was high prior to the pandemic, but now it's so much worse um, post-pandemic. Um, just have to give a shout out to all of our frontline workers who during the pandemic stepped up and did what they did best, um, which is take care of the patients. But now they're telling us they're done and it's our turn to do something for them. So this labor shortage is real and we really should all be concerned about it. Absolutely. I think all of those are great points in terms of, you know, looking at what patients want, how they need care, um, what their preferences are, and the convenience of telehealth and some of the other virtual care options. And then two, looking at the data aspect of things and how you're really able to provide tailored care to people, identifying risks in, in um, following up with people and connecting with them sooner so that things don't get into a worse situation, I, I think is so interesting and, and great to hear about. And then finally, when you're talking about the provider and physician burnout, I think, as you mentioned, that's a real problem for a lot of healthcare organizations across the country. And, you know, when you're looking at all of these things together, kind of the possibility of, of what um, the healthcare system can do in order to um, deliver really great care to patients and make sure they stay healthy, coupled with some of the challenges on the burnout side, how do you see that informing the way that you're relating to um, healthcare professionals in that relationship between physicians and providers? or excuse me, physicians and payers? You know, um, I think that all of that, and really, again, coupled with the pandemic, the pandemic has been um, a blessing and a curse, you know, in so many different ways. But I do think that relationship between providers and payers has really changed because of the pandemic. It's so much more collaborative now. Um, and because years ago, I think it was just a really antagonistic relationship. You know, you went either the provider wins or the payer wins. But I think that the pandemic has really forced us to put the patient at the center of the equation and do what's best for the patient. So, so many payers um, have really stepped up and, and engaged their patients. Um, help them 
to ensure that they had access to care via telehealth, meals when people were afraid to leave the house, and access to vaccines. Um, and they really partnered with the providers to make sure that the patients were taken care of. You know, the, the vaccine rollout, I think that collaboration was probably one of the stronger ones. Both payers and providers knew how important it was to get the shots in arms, especially with our, uh, you know, our geriatric population um, and in our populations who typically may not have had access uh, or immediate access um, to the vaccine. Um, and also we saw this collaboration when we were worried about um, just the hospital capacity in some of the peaks of the pandemics. The hospitals were overwhelmed. Um, they needed all hands on deck. So payers responded and tried to decrease that administrative burden. Um, and I think that those relationships are forming the infrastructure and foundation of something that goes a little bit deeper. Got it. I think that's so interesting to hear in, in great perspective on your end to see really how the pandemic is bringing payers and, and providers together. What's ahead? What do you see as being really crucial to that relationship as well as being able to serve members and patients across the spectrum? You know, so for those providers and hospitals who pre-pandemic were in some value-based relationships, I think that those relationships will continue to solidify and deepen um, and, you know, even start to do more risk-taking if they haven't taken them. Um, the next evolution in value-based care, I think, is an evolution into the pharmacy side of things. You know, with the rise of specialty medication utilization and cost, I think that both payers as well as patients um, and providers are really interested in ensuring that those high-cost medications are delivering the outcomes that they promise. Got it. Okay. That's really great to hear and so interesting to think about what that could mean for value-based care, bringing in the pharmacy aspect to it. Dr. Atkins, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And this has been a really fascinating discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks, Laura.